The opinions and views expressed in Dead Men Do Tell Tales and all affiliated media are Jordan and Nicole's and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of their training program or others working in the field of medical legal death investigation. Hey everyone. Welcome to Dead Men Do Tell Tales, a podcast about forensic pathology-related topics. I'm Nicole Kroom. I'm Jordan Taylor. And we're both pathology residents who are going into forensic pathology. And this episode comes out the day before Thanksgiving, so we tried to find a Thanksgiving-related topic, and we came up with the idea of when you eat too much on Thanksgiving and you are overstuffed. Have people ever died from eating too much. Yeah. So essentially we wanted to answer the questions, is it possible to eat yourself to death? If I keep on eating, will my stomach eventually burst? And how much food would it take to do that? And the short answers are yes, yes, and it depends, which we'll get into (laughs) in more detail later. But a lot. But a lot. (laughs) So I'm going to start with a real brief history on Thanksgiving. The first quote-unquote well-known recorded Thanksgiving meal was in 1621 when the Plymouth colonists and Wampanoag Native Americans shared an autumn harvest feast that's today known as one of the first Thanksgiving celebrations in the colonies. And as also many people know, this is all kind of a little sketchy because understandably a lot of Native populations point out that this is a very sunny and deceptive portrait of colonists and Native interactions and mask a lot of the long and bloody history around the conflict around a lot of this. So... We did want to point out that the first quote-unquote recorded Thanksgiving is this happy feast between, you know, natives and colonists, but that is a very small slice of a much larger picture that we are we have pretended to remember and have passed down over time. Yes. The second Thanksgiving happened a couple years later in 1623, and of course there are various debates about what was the actual first Thanksgiving meal in North America, but that's the kind of more well-accepted one. It was Chinese food. <laughs> yep, yep, exactly. <laughs> oh, sorry, that's a Christmas it's story Christmas. that I'm thinking of. I don't know what you're talking I about. Just, I'm, I'm a I holiday too early. I just agreed. Because the Christmas decorations are already taking over stores. And it's you said Chinese food, and I was like, what Thanksgiving are you <laughs> You don't know my family? I, I do, know, you your do family. know my family. <laughs> and they do not, would not do a Chinese meal for Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving no. We do a full feast. We do do a full feast. We got the turkey, the stuff in the dressing the mashed potatoes sweet potatoes are my my jam oh yeah so essentially from the early 1600s it kind of became a tradition so like an annual or an occasional basis there were these feasts in new england settlements and it happened much more often in new england than the southern states in 1789 george washington issued the first thanksgiving proclamation by the u.s government Hmm. In 1817, New York State officially adopted an annual Thanksgiving holiday, and several other states followed suit, although they were often on different days. But the American South remained largely unfamiliar with with this tradition at this time. Really? Yeah. Huh. It wasn't until 1863, in the midst of the Civil War, that President Abraham Lincoln proclaimed Thanksgiving Day as a national holiday to be held each November on the final Thursday. And then... In 1939, FDR moved it up a quote-unquote week, apparently in an attempt to spur retail sales, 
within the context of the Great Depression oh. to try to boost sales and, you know, get and people out of the depression. That's how we got Black Friday. Thanks a lot, FDR. <laughs> that's exactly what I thought. But then apparently <laughs> this was met with passionate opposition. Oh. And in 1941, he, like, begrudgingly moved it to the fourth Thursday in November. Okay. So originally it was the last Thursday. Ah. Then it was moved to the third and then it was to the fourth. Okay. So it okay. still isn't quite like, obviously it can sometimes fall on the, like there could be a fifth Thursday in November yeah. that it would have been held at, but now it's always the fourth, fourth Thursday. Thursday in November. Oh, okay. So that's how it ended up. Huh. But the very first Thanksgiving was quote unquote, the first Thanksgiving was on a Thursday, mm-hmm. which is how it became that. From all of this, obviously the first Thanksgiving and the largest part of the Thanksgiving tradition is around eating a giant meal. <laughs> yes. Celebrating your harvest, bringing home the bounty, eating a lot of food. So how can you eat yourself to death? There are kind of three, well, there's two main categories. One, you eat too much too fast. And here you can either die from choking. So, you know, you eat too much and the food goes down the wrong pipe and you can't breathe anymore. Or... The other one that is scary to think about is your stomach exploding. So expanding with so much food that it pops like a balloon. Wow. That was a good sound effect. Thank you. Yeah. I'll do that one. That was really nice. (laughs) And then the last one that is standard America is, you know, eating too much over a very long period of time, leading to obesity and the obesity epidemic that we have in America. Yes. Dun-dun-dun-bum-bum-bum. Which we celebrate every day of the year, not just on Thanksgiving. (laughs) (laughs) So we're not going to spend a lot of time on the obesity part of this because it's the quote unquote less exciting part of eating yourself to death. Also, we could do a whole other episode on obesity related causes of death. Yeah, definitely the less acutely dramatic side of it. Yes. But in 2016, almost 530,000 deaths were attributed to diet related to heart disease, stroke and diabetes. And after diet, tobacco and hypertension were the next biggest causes of early death. But it's hundreds of thousands of deaths a year are caused by chronic overeating leading to diabetes and cardiovascular disease and all of the other side effects that you can get from that. And being obese has you in a more chronically inflamed state that can lead to a lot of these chronic diseases, can lead to better environment for cancer to grow. And they've proven that people that are obese have higher rates of cancer. So it's really this quote-unquote one syndrome that leads to a lot of other bad side effects and health effects. Yeah. And we joked about how it's an uh, America problem. But actually, there's this global burden of disease study that they do every few years. And it suggests that one in five deaths, so about one million deaths worldwide, are linked to unhealthy eating habits. And this is data from 2017. So people aren't what so much oh, yeah so much it's crazy so, so people aren't consuming enough nuts seeds milk and whole grains and instead they're consuming too much processed meat sodium <laughs> sodium my favorite, Your favorite. Uh, and sugary drinks sodium sprinkle AKA minerals salt. yeah sprinkle minerals less, <laughs> less revolutions. revolutions that's my favorite <laughs> i need to get that on a t-shirt or something i need to get you that lonely planet <laughs> yeah so poor diet is responsible for more deaths than any other risk factor in the world, as Jordan pointed out. And 10 million of those deaths are from cardiovascular disease, um, and then 913,000 from cancer, and almost 339,000 from type 2 diabetes. And that's worldwide, right? Yeah, that's yeah. worldwide. Yeah, my stats were just in the U.S. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's not just an us. It's not just an us problem. Wow. 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 
That's a noise I haven't heard before. <laughs> it's my like muted pterodactyl noise. <laughs> muted pterodactyl. It's amazing. Thanks. No, it's yeah. No, it's scary. It's America definitely is a big chunk of the obesity problem, and America is a bigger contributor than most other countries in the world. So what but, I think you're trying to say is we're number one. We're number one. We're number one. In dying. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Which makes our job better. That, well. Well, not better. It makes it job security. Job security. Yes. We will never not have job security. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> On that note, I am drinking, oh, I am in my second Ben Brewing Company beer which is I was in Bend, Oregon last week and we went to a bunch of breweries and took some delicious beer home. So I'm enjoying some of that now. And I was drinking a Victory Brewing Triple Sour, which was very, very good. And now I'm just sipping on some whiskey. Yes. Always a good way to end the night. (laughs) Night with a nightcap. Ha! Ha. So now to go into the eating too much too fast category of deaths in overeating. The first person to really explore the question of how much food can a human eat was a French man named uh, Reveloid. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. Reveloid sounds great. Yeah. And in 1885, he performed a series of experiments whereby he would remove a stomach from a dead person and then fill it up until it burst. So like a balloon. Like a balloon. Okay. Yep. A human balloon. And the rupture threshold was determined to be 4,000 cc's or approximately four quarts slash one gallon. What is the most amount of liquid you've ever gotten out of a stomach on autopsy? Or like liquid and solid you've ever gotten out of a stomach on autopsy? Uh, I forget what the exact measurement was, but we had an overdose. And I guess the decedent had eaten a lot right before so we found like whole chunks of thai food Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it was at least five of the clear plastic containers like the small ones oh the small ones oh um plus like some in it like the measuring oh yeah so what do you think total like a couple liters i would say yeah maybe two liters okay yeah, because I'm trying to think in soda bottle terms. I think it's yeah. like two, oh, two okay. and a half soda bottles. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. I had one guy who was an alcohol overdose, and the guy drank a lot, and then he ate a lot of food, and he had just drank a lot of liquid, and he was a big guy to begin with. And when we opened up the chest cavity, the stomach spanned like <gasps> one side of the like one side of the body to the other side of the body. Not normal. No. And it was at least, and like we had like the leader measuring things and I filled up two of them. Yeah. And then there was more (gasps) that I just like couldn't keep it all in the stomach. So it spilled into the abdominal cavity. Oh no. It was just like, and it was, there was some food particles, but it was mainly just like sludge, like liquid from like when you, essentially when you've also, when you're intoxicated, your stomach stops doing its job. It doesn't actually digest the food. So you kind of get a lot of, bits left over but it was a lot of liquid but it's like like it was one of those things that we opened up did the why and everything was stomach like like just everything was stomach it was creepy it was creepy yeah now this was all solid food this was like to the point where i was like i know exactly what kind of curry this was (laughs) 
and I did not for some that. reason I want Thai food for dinner. <laughs> did you have Thai food for dinner? I think I did end up getting takeout. <laughs> I am a horribly disgusting person. It's, it's fine. fine. <laughs> That's how we're going to be eating in the next year. Yeah. It's fine. So, but yeah, so stomachs can expand. I think mine was probably in the three to four liter range. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, his bladder was also full. Of course. But yeah. So, yeah. He was made of liquid. <laughs> he was made of liquid. <laughs> so after these experiments in 1885, six years later, a German physician by the name of Key Auberg repeated the experiment. Um, and this time he left the stomachs inside of the dead people. Ooh, and okay. Then filled that makes them. sense. Uh, but his results were the same. Oh, okay. So this is just... It's like our stomachs evolved inside our bodies, and they didn't need to expand beyond that. Wait, say what? No. <laughs> <laughs> so as Jordan had mentioned, not all stomachs are this size. So by way of hereditary certain certain things or prolonged daily overeating, your stomach can become roomier than average, which yes. is why we can have competitive eaters. They like train their stomachs to be distended. Yes. And bigger than this average size of one gallon. Yes. Um, so death due to acute overeating is actually pretty rare. Although some of the reading I saw, it made it seem like it might've been more common back in the day. So in 1929, there was an article in the annals of surgery from Germany and it summarized 14 cases of fatal overeating including a 17-year-old female who was done in by a large portion of sauerkraut. I wonder if that's because today, I mean, the world is fatter than it was then. I wonder if people's stomachs, like you said, they can learn. I wonder if, like, we're eating more in general as a society, so our stomachs are able to adjust a little bit more. And therefore, the acute overeating instances were more common back then because they weren't as quote-unquote trained as we are today. Dude, you're so right. You know what we should do in Seattle? We should do a 2020 follow-up study to these French and German dudes and see if stomachs have, on average, gotten bigger. Definitely. That's, yes. We should float that to Dr. (laughs) Haro. Hey, we got our research study. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, they had 14 cases in that study. And then versus the most recent... um, publication of multiple cases in modern times was looking between 1966 and 2012 and they had 25 cases of uh, what they call acute gastric dilatation due Mm. to overeating okay so this acute gastric dilatation they're defining as a medical condition in which the stomach becomes progressively they didn't say this but i translated to floppy Mm, and overstretched despite the absence of some sort of obstruction on the other end And it can be caused by a lot of things, including overeating. Um, It's more common in females, especially those with underlying eating disorders. And gastric uh, dilatation doesn't always result in explosion. So the stomach has a lot of what we call collateral blood flow. So it's got a lot of different vessels that are feeding it. And so that usually protects the stomach wall from not getting enough blood. But when there's a remarkable increase in the gastric pressure by this massive stretching, it can cause decreased blood flow, which eventually leads to necrosis, which is what leads to the perforation, a.k.a. explosion. Gotcha. So in this more recent study of 25 cases from 1966 to 2012, the mean age of the patients was 22.7. Okay, makes sense. There were more female patients than males. Okay. Um, So 20 were female, 5 were male. And then it was often associated with psychiatric illness. So 18 patients had underlying eating disorders such as anorexia or bulimia nervosa. Mm. And 
There were 25 cases of this acute gastric dilatation, but and only six of those patients died. Oh, okay. Yeah. Medicine. Yes. So acute gastric dilatation is rare in general, and then it causing death is also like a rare subset. That makes sense. Yes. So kind of stepping through what happens when you try to overeat, and a lot of this is going to be try to be more colloquial and less hardcore medicine-y. So the first thing that you have to be able to do in order to overeat to this much is to be able to eat past the point when your brain says you're full. Like there is a normal point when you're eating at a normal rate that your brain is like, I'm good. I've had enough food. Mm -hmm. So you need to force your brain to keep eating past that point. And Nicole will get into this a little bit later, but there's a disorder called Prader-Willi where essentially it's an inherited disease where these people don't have that I'm full signal. Like it just doesn't exist. So they eat and eat and eat and eat and eat and get very obese and have a lot of issues. Besides just that, there are other things as well. But that stop eating thing is gone. So step one, you have to be able to overcome that. Step two, the stomach can expand, as Nicole said, a ton. Like it can expand to two to four liters in size. So that means you have to eat like over four liters of food. Yeah. Like picture, as Nicole said, a a two liter soda bottle. You need to eat two and a half of those in order to overcome your stomach's capacity. And you have to do that in enough time that your stomach isn't emptying. Yep. So, like, two hours with two and a half soda bottles worth of food is a lot. And then when you eat that much, your gag reflex kicks in. So your body automatically tries to, like, vomit it up (laughs) and get it out. Because it's like, what are you doing to me? This is dumb. Stop. (laughs) But with practice, you can tamp down the gag reflex. If you look at, as Nicole mentioned, bulimics, they've often learned to tamp down the gag reflex. They no longer get all of the bad associations with eating too much, including nausea, swelling, all that other stuff. So these are unfortunately learned things that can be overcome. And then if, let's say, you're able to overcome those, you eat five liters of food and liquid in a couple of hours your stomach can quite literally pop. And apparently you can feel that pop. And when you feel that pop, get help now. Because not only is food spilling into the abdomen, but bile and acid and all the other stuff that's... So like when doctors think about what's going through your digestive system, we consider that the same as being outside your body. That's dirty. So (laughs) anything that's in your stomach or in your colon is dirty and you don't want it to be what's technically inside your body, which is like between the skin and your bowels. Like that's technically inside your body. Does that make sense? Plus your gastrointestinal tract is full of microbes. Yes. And so that's the next thing is you'll get sepsis, which is bacterial infection. You'll get in your, uh, in your blood, you'll get a lot of bleeding because there's blood vessels everywhere and you're breaking your stomach, which is going to cause bleeding. And then like, you need surgery. And that's all these cases of Nicole mentioning people that have survived this because they've gotten medical attention immediately. Yeah. Like this is fatal. And the other part of it is I mentioned vomiting earlier and vomiting itself can lead to deathly consequences. Mm -hmm. There's two particular things that we associate a lot with alcoholics who vomit a lot from drinking too much. One is called Borhov syndrome. And that's when literally your esophagus ruptures, like the food tube that goes from (laughs) your mouth to your stomach the wall ruptures, causing bleeding and spilling of stuff from technically the outside to your inside. 
and the other is called a Mallory Weiss tear. And that's when you don't have full thickness rupture, but you get tearing of what we call the mucosa and down a few layers, but not quite all the way through at your gastroesophageal junction. So where your stomach meets your esophagus, and that can cause a lot of bleeding. And often when people have bleeding there, they're vomiting blood. So there's just a lot of bleeding and bad things happening from vomiting. Yeah. And if you eat too much, your stump, your body is going to be like, get it out now at any cost. And sometimes it has these side effects. So sometimes the cost is your life. <laughs> so overeating is, is hard to do. Your body has these natural reflexes to keep you from doing it. But if you want to overcome it, we're going to go through a few cases where people have managed it. Yeah. <laughs> Very impressively. Um, so our first case is kind of our deepest dive into history. In 1771, the greedy king of Sweden, Adolf Frederick, died from eating vast amounts of lobster, caviar, sauerkraut, herring, champagne, and 14 servings of hot milk, which is maybe the most disturbing thing I've ever heard of in my life. Like, I can imagine a warm glass of milk before dinner, yeah. which I've never had, but I've heard of. Like, yeah. 14 glasses of hot milk. <sighs> and his official cause of death was digestive problems. Surprise, surprise. Oh, so disgusting. I know. He had me at lobster and champagne. Like, I'll eat myself yeah. to death on lobster and champagne. But 14 servings of hot milk? Not only just hot milk, 14 servings of it. I know. Oh. <laughs> So now jumping forward a lot in history. <laughs> because surprisingly, we don't have a lot of historic stories of this, not what was documented over time. Although you'd think it would be. That's true. So 1941, a 51-year-old woman capped a week-long binge by sitting down to a nice meal of macaroni, meatballs, cheese, tomatoes, potatoes, bread, pie, three glasses of grape juice, and several shots of whiskey. I like the, the washing it down with whiskey bit. I know. In total, nearly four quarts of foodstuffs. Oh. She was suffering from heavy feelings in her abdomen. <laughs> and, Surprise. Yeah, and sought to relieve her discomfort with a few teaspoons of sodium bicarbonate in water, a.k.a. Alka-Seltzer. I actually read this in another thing, that yeah. Alka-Seltzer makes it worse. Right. So almost immediately, she doubled up with severe stomach pain as the gas from the fizz apparently stretched the stomach to its breaking point, oh. And she died approximately 14 hours later. So don't take Alka-Seltzer after Thanksgiving dinner. Nope. <laughs> or ever again now. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I've ever actually had it. Actually, I don't think I have either. No. Yeah. Mm-mm. We're not old women yet. Just at heart. I've had Pepto-Bismol a couple times. I've had Pepto. And Tums. But no Alka-Seltzer. Yeah. Now jumping a little bit ahead to 1945. So the end of World War II saw a shocking number of former prisoners of war perish from gastrointestinal overload, so oh no. stomach overload. Because they hadn't been eating? Right. So they were chronically starved, which caused their stomachs to shrink over oh. time. And then when they were reintroduced to unlimited quantities of food, there were a number of cases of death due to overeating. So... The surgeon commander of the Polish Navy described four such cases in a 1947 issue of the British Medical Journal, and it didn't take much at all to cause overload after this chronic starvation period. So one of the men succumbed to this acute stomach dilation from a relatively unnoteworthy two quarts of soup, 
one quart of coffee, and a half pound of bread and some potatoes over the course of a whole day. And then he unwrote that. Well, I guess over the course of a whole day, that's not, not much very food. Much, yeah. yeah. I thought you were going to say in one sitting. I'm like, no. Surprise there. I know. I was going to say, in one sitting, that seems like a kind of a lot, but no. This also made me think of a good point, and I didn't look this up, but there's this thing called refeeding syndrome. Oh, yeah. Where when people are chronically malnourished, you can't just give them food because when their body gets all the vitamins and minerals and stuff that they're missing, they can very quickly attempt to redistribute things and cause a very quick demise. So when somebody actually hasn't been eating for a very long period of time, whether it be anorexia, being tortured as a prisoner of war, like there's a lot of things that can lead to you not eating for a long period of time. Yeah. You need to introduce food back at a very prescribed rate to make sure not only the stomach dilation part of it, but the balance of nutri- of, yeah. Yeah, of uh, nutrients and minerals to not mess you up. Yep. Yeah. That's a, another way that you can eat yourself to death. Yep. Yeah, that one I was like, oh, I hadn't thought of that, yep. but wow. <laughs> yep. Yep. Next, around the same time, so first reported in northern Germany after World War II, among previously starved children and adults who ate large meals of meats and vegetables, is a disease that was originally called Darmbrand, meaning burnt bowels, but is now known as Enteritis necroticans. And I'll get into why a little bit later. But as the nutritional status of the population improved, this condition disappeared in Europe. But then in 1963, a similar disease was reported in 17 patients from the highlands of Papua New Guinea. And the patients presented with severe abdominal pain after ceremonial feasting on large quantities of sweet potatoes. Remember that for later. And inadequately cooked pork contaminated with pig intestines. So this abdominal disease that they got, they called pig bell, which okay. is a pigeon English term for abdominal pain after a pig feast. Okay. <laughs> Very creative. So prior to vaccination programs, pig bell accounted for 10% of all deaths. Wow. And 50% of deaths in children between 6 and 10 years of age in the highlands of Papua New Guinea. Damn. So it's a pretty bad disease. Yeah. And it usually followed a high-protein meal in a protein-deprived child. There was a latent period of a couple hours to days before the victim developed severe abdominal pain, vomiting, and diarrhea, often with blood. And then that was followed by constipation and toxicity and then death. So when they examined these patients, they found that parts of the small bowel called the jejunum and the ileum were dead. Okay. They were necrotic, hence the necroticans. And enteritis is inflammation of the intestines. So enteritis necroticans. And they found that it was due to toxins from a bacteria called Clostridium perfringes. Oh, type okay. C. Yeah. Gotcha. And so they thought these toxins were probably preformed and ingested in the meat. Um, and the reason why not everybody was getting it was because there are certain risk factors associated with a decreased digestive enzyme activity. So normally your body would break down, destroy the toxin, but under certain conditions, your body is not able to do that. And that's when you develop this pig bell disease. So one of those is reduced dietary protein. So in these places where people are chronically malnourished, they have decreased enzyme production overall. And so when they have this high protein meal, they haven't seen protein in a long time and their body doesn't know how to break it down. So the toxin is able to survive. 
And then there are naturally occurring inhibitors to the enzymes in sweet potato. Okay. And soybean flour. So eating those together with the meat that has the toxins in it will inhibit the the enzymes so that they can't destroy the toxins. Gotcha. Uh, And then the last thing is there's a parasite called Ascaris lumbricoides. And this parasite secretes this protein in this enzyme inhibitor to prevent your body from digesting it. Mm -hmm. And so that also prevents the breakdown of the toxin. Gotcha. So all of those things. And there have actually been a couple of cases in the U.S. And most of those cases are associated with diabetes. Um, So one was this woman, she was 66, had type 2 diabetes. She developed abdominal pain and diarrhea 15 hours after eating a meal that contained turkey sausage. And she died 60 hours after the onset of her symptoms. And they found these club-shaped bacteria consistent with Clostridium perfringens type C on testing. And they tried to check the turkey sausage to see if the same bacteria was present in there, but they weren't able to find it. But other family members who had also eaten the turkey sausage got a self-limited gastrointestinal illness. So they thought that the sausage was probably the most likely cause. Gotcha. And they think that diabetics are susceptible to this disease when they eat certain types of meat that are contaminated over other individuals with different illnesses or those in the general population because diabetics have decreased stomach motility, so things don't go through their GI tract as fast. And then they also have poorly functioning pancreases, and so they'll secrete less of those digestive enzymes, so they aren't able to break down the toxin either. Yeah. Yeah, that definitely brings up the bigger category, too, of, like, eating bad food like bad meats bad vegetables you know lettuce that was laced with e coli i guess that's an entire other category that we that we touched on a very small slice of it here something that has bacteria in it that is bad for our body in many ways and uh bad things happen yeah i think the reason why this popped up when i was doing my search is because it was associated with these large ceremonies where Mm. they would eat a bunch of pig and so essentially they thought at first it was due to overeating of the pig but then they found out it was this bacteria but it is a good point if it is a way to quote-unquote eat yourself to death like if you eat something that is that has a microbe in it that your body will will (laughs) kill you you are technically eating yourself to death true thing (laughs) So the next one, we're going to jump to 1975, and there is a delicacy in many parts of mainly East Asia. In Japan, it's called fugu, but deadly puffer fish mm-hmm. that in theory you can prepare a, the correct way, and it's a delicacy, but if you prepare it the wrong way or serve the wrong part, you can get laced with tetrodotoxin mm. and die. So in 1975, Bando Mitsugoro VIII was a Japanese actor who believed he was powerful enough to eat the liver of this infamous fish. Talk about an ego. So he ordered a... um, Toxic masculinity ruins the party again. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Just saying. So he ordered a bunch of the deadly and illegal livers from this fish and unsurprisingly died. Because the liver is one of the places that this is the most concentrated. Right. So he like just was eating tetrodotoxin. Like a bunch of them. A bunch of livers full of it. Oh, I bet pufferfish liver is really cute looking. Little liver. 
Lovely, lovely, lovely. So now moving to 1981, we're jumping to London, where a 23-year-old model is allegedly binging on a pound of liver. I know. One pound of liver, two pounds of kidneys, a half pound steak, one pound of cheese, two eggs, two glasses of milk, two thick slices of bread, one head of cauliflower, ten peaches, four pears, two apples, four bananas, two pounds each of plums, carrots, and grapes. And a partridge in a pear tree. I think the funniest part for me is the article that I found this in, like, listed all the meat, and then it's like, and washed it down with two glasses of milk and <laughs> spread. And then to not forget her fruits and vegetables, vegetables. and then listed yeah. off all the vegetables. And yeah. it's like two pounds each of plums, carrots, and grapes. This is it's 19 pounds of food. Yes. 19. That's two coals. Well, when you put it that way... It's two of my cats. I don't think I could even eat just two pounds of plums in I a couldn't sitting. Eat two, I couldn't eat that much of any of these things. No. Sorry, I can drink... I could eat two eggs and two glasses of milk. I could probably do the bread Oh yeah, I could and do, the apples. I could do the two sl- slices of bread with the eggs. Sure. Know, yeah, and the like milk. partially running on top. Yeah. Wash the milk down with it, too. Uh, and then one pound of cheese. I could eat one pound of cheese easy. That's a lot of cheese. No, one pound of cheese? Yeah, mine. Thank you. I mean, I love cheese. Don't get me wrong, but a pound of cheese is a lot of cheese. No, 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 no. Okay, okay, okay. I'll take the apples. Okay. It's a, I can't get the four bananas. Is a lot of bananas. I could maybe do two pounds of grapes. Grapes you could just pop, you know. And they're just water. They're, it'll they're just water. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. It'll help to wash down the too <laughs> thick. I like how they thick slices. Yeah. Of bread. I also like two pounds of kidneys. I like, know. I don't think I've ever actually eaten kidney ever, let alone two pounds of it. I had a kidney pie the last time I was in the, in mm. London. Okay, was it good? No. <laughs> kidney is not good. I mean, organ meats in general are... I like liver. I guess I like... I've had foie gras before, and I like foie gras. Uh, but I've never had, like, liver cooked. Oh, yeah. No, I've had liver cooked. I haven't... Tongue. It's fine. I guess for Thanksgiving, we chop up the turkey organs that come inside of the turkey and put them in the gravy. So we also do that. Oh, I guess I've never put it in the gravy. Yeah. We just throw that out and do it with the drippings. What? You throw it out? Yeah. But they're so cute. They have little organs. All you. I'll bring them back for you next time. Okay. I can make gravy with them. (laughs) When we make gravy, we make gravy with drippings. Turkey drippings. Yes, we add turkey drippings also. It's just turkey drippings and flour and water. Oh, we do the... We put the organs from inside the turkey in the water and then we like stew them in the water till they're cooked through we chop them up really small put them back in and then we add the drippings and then flour hmm. interesting do okay. each his own tastes really good okay i believe you your look says no <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of chopping up meat and putting it into something else nice segue hot dogs mm-hmm. it's hot dog eating competitions have been a thing for a long time and there's this guy, Joey Chestnut, who is, like, really well-known to eat a ton of hot dogs in very small amount of times. His current record in twenty this year, he consumed 75 hot dogs with buns in, like, a sh- in Essentially, it's one sitting. Wasn't he upstaged by Kobayashi? He was, and then he won it back. Oh. So, and tw- he, like, the... It, I read through this briefly, but it, like there was like this back and forth thing for a while. Yeah. With like one one, then the other one, then then yeah. But it's currently seventy five hot dogs and buns. It's like they can't just eat the hot dog; they have to eat the hot dog and the bun. Yeah. Do you know how they do it? Uh, dip it in water. Yeah. Yeah. To like soften the bun of it. Well, 
I thought that was why Kobayashi won the first time is because he like created that technique. Like people weren't doing it like that before. I believe you. Then he was on an episode of Freakonomics once. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. But yeah. So hot dog eating competitions have been a thing for a long time. And there was this Floridian psychologist in 1986 who ate too much food, had their stomach pumped, and it showed five pounds of hot dogs three boxes of crackers, and two quarts of milk. I don't know how they backtracked that from the stomach-pumped contents, but I'm just going to go with it. Yeah, seriously. Three. This looks like about three boxes of crackers. Like, where <laughs> did get that from? But Maybe later, she told them, and they were like, <laughs> okay. But later an autopsy found, quote-unquote, ungodly amounts <laughs> of hot dogs, broccoli, cereal, and a mysterious bubbly green goop. <laughs> So not only did this once happen that she had to get her stomach pumped, she then went back for more and found all kinds of craziness. Yeah, and that's when she died. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, in this case, she died from asphyxia, not Mm. gastric perforation. And it was her stomach got so big that it protruded into her thoracic cavity. So your chest cavity and squished her lungs. (laughs) You have to take a big breath in. So now jumping to 2011. An English teenager died from swallowing too much gum. I still remember when I was a kid. It's like, don't swallow your gum. Yeah, it'll stay with you for seven years. (laughs) Well, apparently it will stay inside of you. Well, if Uh, you eat this much. She was ingesting around 14 sticks a day. A day. And her stomach was failing to absorb vital minerals because of the approximately five huge lumps of undigested gum in her gut. So disgusting. So doctors initially thought she was poisoned, but her post-mortem revealed that she had potassium, calcium, sodium, and magnesium deficiencies, which probably led to a fatal cardiac arrhythmia. I have a couple of quick ones that are going to be interspersed with a little bit of more interesting stories by Nicole. In October 2012, a 32-year-old man died while competitively eating live roaches and worms. What? Why? Where? What? Who? He died from choking. Ah. That makes sense. Because wouldn't you gag if you had a live worm or roach crawling down there? I would indeed. Which actually reminds oh. me of the people who eat the live octopus. That can oh, kill you too. Nope. I didn't see any of those stories pop up when I was doing this. We're learning so much. We just had to talk about it before we did the podcast. I know. <laughs> I would have thought of all the extra things. <laughs> well, I guess that one isn't overeating so much. It's just like eating a creature that has a strong will to survive. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> So in 2013, I found a story about a 23-year-old woman who had Prader-Willi syndrome, and she died from heart failure Mm. after putting on seven stone. How much do you think that is? The stone is about 20 pounds. So you said seven stone? Seven stone. About 150 pounds? 98 pounds. Okay. In nine months after moving into an assisted living care home, she was supposed to have one-on-one support from care workers, but often this was not the case. And her bungalow was fitted with this assisted technology, which meant that her fridge and cupboards were locked at all times. And if she tried to get into them, alarms would alert support workers. But she asked the workers at this care facility to take the locks off. And the staff did without consulting her family. What? And then seven months later, she was dead. Well, it was interesting. When I was looking at Prada Willie, one of the things that is associated, as I said, this was a syndrome and there's a lot of things beyond just the lack of inhibition for eating food and one of the things is you have some mental retardation and lower iqs so 
Whereas somebody who might have a higher IQ and understand that even if they're hungry, they shouldn't eat, they might not have that understanding. Yes. So it just kind of snowballs. Yeah. So to go into a little bit more detail about the syndrome, as Jordan mentioned, it's a rare genetic disorder and it has multiple cognitive, behavioral, and endocrine abnormalities associated with it, including this, what is called hyperphagia, Mm -hmm. which is unrelenting urge to consume food and this unremitting hunger, which can lead to dangerous food-seeking behavior with life-threatening obesity if uncontrolled. And the annual mortality rate in Prader Willi is estimated to be 1% to 4% wow. with a shortened life expectancy greater than anticipated by their level of intellectual disability. Gotcha. And that's due primarily to complications of the hyperphagia mm, and okay. obesity-related causes. So actually, I found this pretty interesting study that was trying to separate the causes of death based on age in these patients. So in infancy or young childhood, death is usually related to respiratory failure, aspiration, infection, and choking. So all of those associated with the hyperphagia, like they just eat too fast and they develop these things. And then the adolescence and adulthood, it's mostly due to cardiac disease and failure. They can get pulmonary emboli, accidents, sepsis, and then other obesity-related complications. And that's all part of that hyperphagia. Gotcha. Yeah. Super sad. Yep. A couple quick ones. In July 2013, 64-year-old Australian man Bruce Holland died in a pie-eating contest due to choking. (laughs) On April 2nd, 2017, a 20-year-old woman died in a pancake-eating competition from choking. In 2017, a woman died actually of water intoxication from a water drinking competition. Yep. So not only can you eat yourself to death, but you can drink yourself to death with both alcohol, as we did in a prior episode, and water. Because if you dilute out your body, essentially, you don't have the right balance of electrolytes and you can die from that as well. I knew there was a reason I hated water. (laughs) (laughs) So then I found a case report um, from 2019, and it was an 18-year-old woman who arrived at the emergency department complaining of abdominal pain and fullness after a heavy meal. She also happened to be covered in feces. Ooh. Yep. She passed away in the emergency department before she could be admitted. And during the autopsy, they looked at her anus, and they didn't see any signs of violence. But they did find food in her lung cavity area. Okay. Um, the stomach was hyperdistended, and it was perforated at three different points. Okay. And also her diaphragm was perforated. Ooh. And the diaphragm is the muscle that sits under your lungs and helps you breathe. So uh, it turned out that she had been suffering from anorexia nervosa. And she had episodes of overeating, followed by manual voiding of her feces from the anal cavity. That's explaining the anal dilatation. Yep. So good, good, good things. Bad things. All bad things. (laughs) I was going to let you dig yourself out of that hole. Yeah, no. There, no. (laughs) (laughs) So most people know anorexia nervosa. It's an eating disorder characterized by low weight, fear of gaining weight, and a strong desire to be thin, resulting in food restriction. But there are actually two subtypes of um, anorexia nervosa. The one people think about most is the restrictive type, which is the one where the person restricts their food intake. But then there's also a binge purge subtype, which apparently this patient was suffering from, and it can be accompanied by bulimic-like attacks. 
And anorexia nervosa can cause a lot of problems. Um, and death is actually usually due to cardiac causes mm-hmm. and not uh, acute stomach perforation like in this surprise, case. Surprise. <laughs> because food restriction can lead to a slow heartbeat, problems with your blood pressure, fainting, uh, cardiac arrhythmias, heart failure. Bad, bad illness if you are suffering from an eating disorder get help please reach out yeah so kind of switching back to the earlier eating too much food too quickly yep um august 13th 2019 a 41 year old man entered an amateur taco eating competition at the fresno grizzlies baseball game and then choked to death on one of the hot dogs. Oh my gosh. These three people that died in the eating competitions, did they not have somebody on hand who could do the Heimlich? My guess is they probably didn't have somebody who was good at it. Probably somebody who thought they could. Hmm. Right? I mean, when have you ever had to actually give a Heimlich? Like, I'm trained in it. I never. hope I can do it. I've never had like, to and I yeah. hope I never will. There's yeah. a reason I want to work with dead people. <laughs> we cannot make them worse. <laughs> <laughs> In November 2019, there was a man who had a bet to settle with his friend, and they made a essentially 22 pound bet that each other would be the like that they would be the first one to eat 50 eggs in one sitting. Five zero. And who's who's paying for this? Like 22 pounds is not going to cover mean, the cost of 50 eggs, is it? I mean, Gaston. No. Would eat five dozen one. eggs. Sounds like Gaston, no one buffed like Gaston. <laughs> I do not know the words to this song like Gaston. <laughs> when he was young, he ate two dozen eggs. And when he got big, he ate five dozen eggs, I think. And then he breaks a bone with strong. his neck. Yes. Yeah, definitely five dozen eggs at the end. I don't remember how much he ate at the beginning. So apparently he had just begun, Subashiata had just begun eating his 42nd egg when he collapsed and fell unconscious. And he was rushed to the hospital, but died hours later. And it's believed that he died from overeating. But they didn't say exactly. They didn't say exactly. Hmm. And then the most recent one that I have, in January of 2020, a woman died in Queensland in a lamington eating contest on Australia Day. Okay. Do you know what lamington is? Isn't it like a dessert? It's like a square with the layers? So it's not that dessert, but it is a dessert. I first read Lamington and I was picturing like some dis- like weird, disgusting food. But this is like my jam. So it's butter cake or sponge cake Ooh. coated in chocolate Ooh. and rolled in coconut. Okay. It's mine. It's made for me. Well, yeah. That's what I want for my birthday next year. Lamington? Lamington. Putting it in my note. Because it works bomb. And then I have one personal story. This wasn't somebody who ate themselves to death, but they almost did. So I can't remember the exact beginning to this story. So this was a patient that came up in medicine we call M&M, morbidity and mortality rounds, mm-hmm. where you have some bad effect that either came from medicine or irrespective of medicine and what we did medicine-wise to try to fix it. And essentially there was this woman who was very satiated. So it didn't take, she couldn't really eat much because she got too full. And one of the first things that we assume when somebody can't eat a lot of food is cancer. Mm. It's like yeah, one of the first signs, early satiety is another way to put it. It's like you have cancer until proven otherwise. 
So she had lost a lot of weight. She was getting really full really fast. And these are all bad signs. So they did imaging and they did a full body CT and they noticed this giant, her stomach was huge. Like her stomach was taking up like half of her abdomen and it was full of this weird, like fluffy material. Mm -mm. And they asked her what she was eating. Mm -mm. And she was saying that she couldn't really eat that much food. But the one thing she was able to eat was popcorn. So this woman had been eating essentially just popcorn for a ridiculous amount of time. And I can't remember how exactly how much because I don't want to lie to you guys. But just was eating popcorn and only popcorn and only popcorn. And this popcorn bezoar was getting bigger and bigger and bigger and filling up her stomach. So she was so satiated because her stomach was full of popcorn that wasn't dissolving and moving through. Yeah. So do you want to guess how they treated her? Wasn't surgery. Did they? Wasn't endoscopy. Did they do a sonic wave to break it up? They had her drink Coke because Coke is very acidic and the acid in her stomach wasn't doing it. Yeah. So they had her drink Coke. Oh my God. And slowly dissolve this popcorn bezoar to the point that it was small enough to like flush stuff out. Oh my gosh. What was the prescription? Like one liter BID. <laughs> 20 ounces TID. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just have instead a Coke. Instead of water, I drink no, a Coke. Instead of food, you're just going to eat Coke for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And I mean, she must have been getting like IV nutrition because her stomach wasn't absorbing anything at that right. point. Right. Oh my gosh. Um, and I can't, again, I don't remember a lot of the details because I was in med school when I heard the yeah. story. And it was more of just like this crazy thing. So I'm sure I, there's way more to the story than I remember. But. Well, and hopefully it was Coke Zero or Diet Coke, you know, because we also. Well, she be... needed calories. Oh, never mind. Because for her, she was losing weight. Coke and heavy. Coke heavy. <laughs> Coke heavy. <laughs> That's what we're going to call it from now on. Not normal Coke. Coke, Coke heavy. heavy. <laughs> You're welcome. So now, thanks to Nicole's new rebranding of Coke heavy, Sochmeats. Sochmeats. Oh, my God. You're so good with these segues. <laughs> if you liked this and any of our other episodes, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. It's how we get boosted up on the various podcasting platforms and other people hear about us. You can visit our website at deadmandutailpodcast.com where we link to all of our sources on our episode guide. On Twitter, we're at deadmandupe. On Insta, we're at the Dead Tell Tales. And our Facebook page is Tales Podcast. And as always, feel free to send us an email with comments, questions, saying hi, either through the website or directly to the Tales at gmail.com. And our opening theme music is Introducing the Pre-Roll by Lee Rosevear, who you can find on SoundCloud. Thanks for listening and have a good Thanksgiving and don't overeat yourself. And don't think about how much you're overeating on Thanksgiving now. Thanks to this podcast. Right. Just enjoy yourself. Everything in moderation, even overeating. Wear your stretchy pants. Wear the stretchy pants. Oh, yeah. Bye, everybody. Bye. Maybe we can get sponsored by uh, stretchy pants. <laughs>